America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great day, another great week. A week to uh, keep track of who's in, who's out, who's up, who's down. Concerning what? Concerning who becomes the next president of the United States. Or do we have uh, another term, a second term of uh, Joe Biden uh, for all of his problems and all of the indications that some two-thirds of Americans don't think he is up to doing the job because of his advanced age. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. This is the week when Mike Pence has just launched his uh, 2024 presidential run. He is not running well in the polls right now, uh, but uh, he is um, kicking in his campaign. He filed paperwork to run for president this morning, ending months of speculation that he would take on his one-time running mate, that's former President Donald Trump. But Fe uh, Pence, it says in Forbes magazine, faces an uphill battle in the growing GOP field. Uh, there was also today a declaration by Chris Sununu, who is widely expected to run for president. He is the governor of New Hampshire. It looks like he's going to stay and run for another term as governor. That's bad news for the Democrats. Chris Sununu, a very popular Republican by some standards, the most popular governor in the country, uh, a Republican or Democrat, uh, he won by 15 points uh, in, during a, uh, an election this last time when uh, the Republican Party, other than Chris Sununu, did poorly in New Hampshire. We will get to that. Uh, there is also a brand new third party candidate, something of a celebrity. And uh, there was a town hall meeting uh, with Nikki Haley where she not quite but almost uh, took on fairly directly her former boss, Donald J. Trump, who is, of course, the front runner in the race for president of the United States. We'll also be speaking about that question about how second-tier GOP candidates, the people who aren't named DeSantis and aren't named Trump, uh, can possibly become part of that first year how tier how do they break through we'll be talking about that with uh, author of uh, an interesting column in that regard and uh, we'll be talking about debuts of for the new Walgreens anti-theft store everyone wants to shop at an anti-theft store well it's better than shopping at a pro theft store and there's an amazing a piece by Sam Canones, who's been on this show before, about what is happening in our streets because of fentanyl and meth, and uh, how what the government is doing right now is completely wrong-headed and backward and wrong, and we will get to that as well on the Michael Medved show. Okay, first up, uh, Tim Scott has been getting a great deal of attention. There's, in fact, a big uh, headline in the New York Times about what a great date he would make for vice president. Well, he's not running for vice president. He's running for president. And, in fact, Tim Scott today went on The View, 
which is a daring place to go. You you know that being a conservative Republican, and Tim Scott is, on social issues, economic issues, foreign policy issues, he's the full package conservative. And uh, he was on with the ladies of The View who weren't particularly friendly to him. I mean, what do you expect? They're not going to be supporting anyone like Tim Scott. But uh, he, he, here he explains how he decided to uh, appear on that particular show on ABC TV. This is clip 18A. You have indicated that you don't believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism? Let me ask, answer the uh, question that you've answered. Does it ex- or does it even exist yeah. in your mind? Let me, let me uh, answer the question this way. One of the things that I think about, and one of the reasons why I'm on the show, is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send to our young people today, that the only way to succeed is by being the exception. I will tell you that if my life is the exception, uh, I can't imagine. But, but, I can't but it ima- is. But it's not, actually. Here's, here's, it's been here's 114 my, years. Yeah, so, so the fact of the matter is we've had an African-American president, African-American uh, vice president. We've had two African-Americans to be secretaries of the state. Uh, in my home city, uh, the police chief is an African-American who's now running for mayor. The head of the Highway Patrol for South Carolina is an African-American. Still in, 19, in 1975, um, there was about 15% unemployment in the African-American community for the first time in the history of the country. It's under 5%. For- Okay, uh, again, he he goes on, and then, of course, he talks, uh, as he does very effectively, about uh, the most powerful point that he can make, which is the point of his own example. This is clip B. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on a on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America, because he believed in having faith in God, mm-hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids, would unleash opportunities in ways that you, you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look just change the stations and see how much progress has been made in this country. ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. And for us to so suggest... America has met its promise. No, of course, the, the concept of America is that we are going to become a more perfect union. But in fact, the challenges that we face... 50 years ago and 60 years ago should not be the same challenges that we face today. And here's the way that you you measured that. When my mother was born, about 10% of African Americans got a high school degree, diploma. Today, it's over 90%. When you look at the income, when you look at the income success that we've had... That's the HBCU stat. Well, listen, HBCU stat is a good one. Okay, uh, that's, uh, uh, again, uh, Tim Scott uh, dealing with uh, the Uh, people on The View who basically want to deny the significance of Tim Scott's campaign. The headline uh, in the uh, New York Times is a full-page article. Uh, Tim Scott would make a heck of a VP candidate, an appraisal of the South Carolina senator's bid to be GOP's nominee for president. And they quote Ross Douthat, 
uh, who's an opinion columnist, one of the people participating in this forum on Tim Scott in the Times. And he says the only reason to take Scott more seriously than his fellow South Carolinian Nikki Haley is that he has less of a national identity and brand, so there's a little more room for him to surprise us on the campaign trail. For now, though, he occupies roughly the same terrain as she, a donor-friendly, telegenic candidate of the multiracial future who just doesn't have the populist edge for today's GOP and won't satisfy the typical conservative voters' more combative mood. And then Michelle Goldberg is quoted as saying, he's a long shot, but we should take him more seriously than any of Trump's other declared challengers. He is beloved by the conservative elite, has a reported $22 million in the bank, and would probably be the most formidable Republican in a general election. That, of course, is a crucial point. How crucial? It's uh, already led one Republican to drop out of the race, a Republican who was expected to be a serious candidate. We will get to that and to more coming up, a new perspective on the cultural revolution, the hideous mass murder of the Chinese Communist Party that reflects some real light on what that party means today. That and more all coming up on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. taking my call. You're the most brilliant radio talk host in America today. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, in some senses, it's too bad that Chris Sununu, the very popular governor of New Hampshire, and a very effective and conservative governor and somebody who's a leader for the future for the, Demo uh, for the Republican Party, uh, Chris Sununu announced today, no, he will not be running for president. He had been talking about a campaign for president. He was considered to be a real contender to win in his home state of New Hampshire because he has been so popular. But uh, And that could have launched his campaign on a, a very high note, certainly a victory in New Hampshire. That's what won the nomination basically for Donald Trump. In 2016, it was when uh, he uh, did uh, very well after having uh, finished, uh, I believe he finished uh, second or third, uh, but he lost in Iowa to Ted Cruz. And then his campaign came roaring back in New Hampshire and he won the nomination. Uh, but uh, Chris Sununu uh, not running for president. This is the way he explained it to Dana Bash on CNN. This is 20A. Taking the last six months to really kind of look at things where everything is, and I've made the decision not to run for president on the Republican ticket in 2024. Obviously, a lot goes into that decision, but um, it's been quite an adventure, but not the end of the adventure by any means. Why? Why won't you run? Well, you, when you look at what's happening out there, you obviously have a very large field um, of I think the former president, Trump, is doing much better in the polls than folks thought. And when I looked at where my voice can be, how we make the Republican Party uh, bigger, the responsibility that I think I have in terms of 
focusing on the Republican Party and ultimately focusing on the, the opportunities for the country um, and having a little more of a candidate, a little more unleashed voice and, and getting folks to not just worry about, well, well is it a vote for Chris Sununu? I'm not worried about that. I want more independence on the Republican Party team. I want more young voters on the Republican Party team. I am tired of losing U.S. Senate races and governor's races. And clearly, I, I talk a bit candidly, I think as, as folks appreciate, I think more folks within the Republican Party have to have that kind of voice, that kind of emphasis of message, and making sure that this is about the Republican Party, not just about the former president. Okay, it, it, it is, the, though his piece in the Washington Post... And this is all very well timed. He has an excellent column. Uh, we'll link it at our website at michaelmedved.com. Uh, Chris Sununu, full colon, I won't run in 2024. Beating Trump matters more. Uh, and he writes, I will not be seeking the Republican nomination for president in 2024. Our party is on a collision course toward electoral irrelevance without significant corrective action. The stakes are too high for a crowded field to hand the nomination to a candidate who earns just 35% of the vote, and I will help ensure this does not happen. Uh, when he says 35% of the vote, he, he's talking about 35% of the general vote. Uh, Trump does better than that, according to the polls in the primaries, at least right now. I. Chris Sununu writes, the path to winning was clear, but I believe I can have more influence on the future of the Republican Party and the 24 nominating process, not as a candidate, but as the governor of the first in the nation primary state, a governor who is unafraid to speak candidly about issues, candidates in the direction of our party, untethered from the limitations of a presidential campaign and unleashed from conventional boundaries. We must not be complacent. And candidates should not get into this race to further a vanity campaign, to sell books, or to audition to serve as Donald Trump's vice president. Uh, Chris Sununu went on to talk about candidates needing to be called out when they continue running when they have no chance. Uh, this is 20B. But part of your decision is about the former president. Right. Is it oh, sure. it's about the, the, the size of the field? There are 12. By the end of the week, there will be 12 candidates for the Republican nomination. Yeah. And you're not going to be one of them. But you think that's too big? Well, it's, it's look, I don't mind who gets into the field. But given where the polls are right now, every candidate needs to understand the responsibility of getting out and getting out quickly if it's not working. Uh, and I can be more candid about that as the governor of the first in the nation primary calling candidates candidates out saying look you gave it a try you're still in low single digits you got to get out of the race and i'm not and i'm not by when what's the deadline? christmas at the latest if we do what we did in 2016 you're going to have a, somebody win this nomination with 35 percent of the republican support that that's not where we should be as a party that's not where anybody wants to but okay and uh he goes on and has said it in another interview that uh, the opposition to President Trump not only is that he disagrees with President Trump, he uh, doesn't think that he fulfilled his promises as President of the United States. Uh, in his column, Governor Sununu writes, current polls indicate Trump is the leading Republican candidate in 2024. He did not deliver on his promises to drain the swamp to secure the border and instill fiscal responsibility while in office. He added $8 trillion to our national debt, yet now he wants four more years. 
He is facing numerous investigations and continues to peddle the conspiracy theory that he won the 2020 election, repelling independence. If he is the nominee, Republicans will lose again, just as we did under Trump's leadership in 2018, 2020, and 2022. This is indisputable, he says, and I am not willing to let it happen without a fight. Uh, here's the way he expressed that on TV. This is clip 19. And right now, Donald Trump costs us from the U.S. Senate to governorships to school board seats. His message costs Republican parties dearly across the country. So if he is the nominee, will the Democrats win? Oh, yeah. He can't win in November of 24. Oh, the math has shown Donald Trump has no chance of winning in November of 24. He wouldn't even win Georgia. If you're a Republican that can't win Georgia of November 24, you have no shot. And he's proven that. So and not only has he proven it, but the candidates he gets behind in a good conservative state like Georgia lose the race. His messaging doesn't translate. It does well with a hardcore 30, 35 percent base, but he loses everybody beyond there. And no one is undecided about the former president. There's no there's no one out there going, well, maybe I, I might consider voting. No, you know where you are. He's a known commodity. And so the math doesn't add up. So if Republicans nominate him, then we're saying a, a vote for him in the in the primary is effectively a vote for, for Joe Biden. I mean, that's ultimately how the math will play out. OK, and that is not a, a vote that uh, he wants to endorse. Uh, by the way, there was um, more <laughs> bad news for Joe Biden, I guess. Uh, somebody else jumping into the race as a third party candidate, uh, something of an American celebrity. He will not be taking too many votes from Trump, could well take some votes from Biden. Who are we talking about? Uh, we will get to that and more coming right up on the Medved Show. A little bit provocative. The Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, Cornell West, who is uh, very well known as an academic, he is a, a black scholar who um, has actually held positions at uh, Harvard, Princeton, and Yale. He is now teaching at Union Theological Seminary and where he is a professor of philosophy, uh, he has announced his candidacy for president. He will be running on the People's Party ticket, the People's Party, <laughs> which, which uh, traces its origins back to the old Populist Party, which had some successes more than 100 years ago. I mean, the Populist Party had its, uh, its uh, high point in uh, the campaign of 1892 where they helped elect Grover Cleveland when he was returning to come back to the White House after he had lost in 1888. And uh, the populace that year got almost 10 percent of the electoral vote, of the actually popular vote, and they carried a few states. So will Cornell West win his announcement for candidacy? Uh, and the uh, current popular party has been led by a former campaign staff member for Senator Bernie Sanders. They wanted Bernie Sanders to run the slogan for the P People's Party. You have to really dig in the Internet to find it. Uh, it says the People's Party will break up the corporate state and guarantee, guarantee every American a good paying job, health care, housing, 
peace, and freedom. Uh, Cornel West, the progressive activist and professor, announced a presidential campaign today with the People's Party, a third party led by a former campaign staffer for Senator Bernie Sanders. Cornel West said, I enter in the quest for truth. Well, of course. I enter in the quest for justice, and the presidency is just one vehicle to pursue that truth and justice, what I've been trying to do all my life. That's what he said in a campaign video posted on Twitter. It uh, uh, sounded uh, something uh, like this. In these bleak times, I have decided to run for truth and justice, which takes the form of running for president of the United States as a candidate for the People's Party. I enter in the quest for truth. I enter in the quest for justice. And the presidency is just one vehicle to pursue that truth and justice, what I've been trying to do all of my life. I care about whether you have access to a job with a living wage, decent housing, women having control over their bodies, health care for all, the escalating, the destruction of the planet, the destruction of American democracy. Do we have what it takes? We shall see. But some of us are going to go down fighting, go down swinging with style and a smile accenting the best in you and trying to tease out the best in me. Let's do it together. Okay, let's do it together. Do you want to go down with a, a smile uh, and go down swinging? <laughs> I, it's, it's a terrific way to uh, announce a new campaign. Uh, there's also more in the way of uh, third-party information. No Labels, which has already raised $70 million. They haven't decided who their candidates are going to be right now, but they uh, they have an ad that features Joe Lieberman, who's been involved with No Labels for a long time. Remember, he used to be a Democrat. He was Democratic nominee for vice president in the year 2000 with Al Gore. And... Then after that, he got reelected to the Senate because he lost the Democratic primary and he ran as an independent and served another term as a, a U.S. senator. Joe Lieberman is a friend and uh, I think he's terrific. Uh, I think he's wrong to be involved with this no labels thing because it's not going to help advance a point of view. It's going to basically... Uh, destroy the presidential campaign and make sure that whoever wins wins without a majority of the votes, which is not a good thing. It it isn't. It, it's it's certainly better if you could actually bring Americans together uh, for a candidate who can win uh, most of the voters who come out. Here is the uh, ad for no labels uh, featuring Senator Lieberman, clip 16. Blind loyalty is the opposite of choice, and choice is what real democracy is all about. No labels was formed to unite Democrats, Republicans, and independents to solve our country's biggest problems, bringing more choices to voters and more voices to the national conversation. Okay, and there is a great deal of uh, rumor 
that the no labels candidate and and their position is they will have one candidate uh, for president, say, who would be a Democrat, and then the vice presidential nominee would be a Republican, or it could go the other way around. Though it will probably go the first way uh, with a Democratic candidate. Which Democratic candidate? Chuck Todd, who isn't gone yet from Meet the Press, uh, spoke to Joe Manchin, the senator from West Virginia, who uh, spoke uh, about his dissatisfaction with both of the leading candidates for president, both Biden and Trump. This is clip 17. It's notable that you're not ready to, to, to sign off that Joe Biden's been moving to the middle. You don't buy it? Well, this, this here, I, I think Joe Biden, that's his inherent, uh, who he is. Uh-huh. He's been pushed to the far left. And that far left is not basically right. where the country is. And the far right is not where the country is. Coming back to the middle, then we can continue to bring people to middle and do our job. And then uh, he was asked very directly about whether he will run for president. Uh, listen. My job is to do what I can to help the people of West Virginia and support this great country of ours and defend the Constitution. That's truly the primary cause of my job. It's not for me to get reelected. Now, if I run, I'm going to win. Okay. Uh, What he's talking about is he assumes he's going to win for re-election to the Senate in West Virginia, but he has a very tough uh, fight because the Republican who used to be a Democrat, he switched to the Republican Party under President Trump. Uh, The guy, Governor Justice, is a very popular governor of West Virginia's very Republican state. And even though... Joe Manchin got that uh, Valley Pipeline uh, built through West Virginia, which will provide thousands of jobs, literally. Uh, he, um, he may have a tough time winning re-election to the Senate. And that's why people are talking about uh, Joe Manchin as a possible uh, third-party candidate for the you no-labels know, ticket. This uh, is Cornell West... Running on the, <laughs> I mean, Cornell Rest running on the People's Party ticket. Uh, what about the other Republicans? How do some of those second string Republicans break through? Uh, certainly Nikki Haley tried to do that last night. She had a, a session on CNN with uh, Jake Tapper. Uh, again, this is following up CNN's. A session that they did with a town hall meeting with President Trump in New Hampshire. This was uh, uh, in Iowa. And uh, that's one of those states where Nikki Haley is hoping to make an impression. It's a crucial state, particularly for Tim Scott. He, he could win in Iowa because evangelical voters are so powerful there. And Tim Scott has real appeal to the evangelical community as a member of that community. Uh, We will get to that, come to some of what uh, Nikki Haley had to say and how she did last night, and more how uh, some second-year candidates break through on the Medved Show. Let's do it together.
And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, last night uh, there was a new town hall meeting uh, on CNN. Uh, this time it wasn't Caitlin Collins. It was uh, uh, Jake Tapper, who was the master of ceremonies, uh, asking a series of questions together with an audience. And the audience wasn't entirely Nikki Haley supporters, but they obviously had a group there. They they did try on CNN to make sure that the audience was all Republicans and conservatives because this is part of the preparation for the Republican caucuses, which are going to be a first in uh, the nation in Iowa. Uh, there were eight different candidates for president who were part of the uh, Joni Ernst. Senator Joni Ernst has a, a barbecue uh, that she sponsors, where all the candidates came and uh, showed their words and made their cases. But last night, Nikki Haley had the chance of being on TV for an extended interview with some tough questions. And uh, uh, frankly, if you actually watch the interview and you watch the YouTube version of it or they have a C-SPAN version of it, if you if you watch her on TV, she knows what she's doing when it comes to television communication. Uh, she is a uh, commanding presence, uh, and she looks like somebody that you're going to take seriously. For instance, one of the early questions that was asked by Jake Tapper had to do uh, with... Uh, the recent congratulations, which have been widely criticized, Donald Trump uh, spoke out to offer congratulations to Kim Jong-un, the uh, very dangerous and uh, nuclear-armed dictator of North Korea. Why did he graduate Kim Jong-un? Because North Korea hilariously was um, given a vice president chairmanship of the World Health Organization. And uh, Nikki Haley didn't have a great deal positive to say about that decision by her former boss, the president who appointed her ambassador to the UN. And frankly, she didn't have a great deal to say about positive about the World Health Organization either. Uh, this is what it sounded like on CNN last night. Uh, this is clip three. I mean, Kim Jong-un is a thug. And if you see what he has done to his own people in North Korea, when money went to North Korea, it didn't go to feed their people. It went to feed their nuclear program. There's nothing good or decent about Kim Jong-un. There's no reason we should ever congratulate the fact that they are now vice chair of the World Health Organization. And it goes to the fact that also the World Health Organization is a farce to start with. We saw that during COVID. It did bother you, and you didn't, you didn't like his congratulating of Kim Jong-un, and you didn't like how he dealt with him when I he was... I don't think we ever should congratulate dictators. Congratulate our friends. Don't congratulate our enemies. It emboldens them when we do that. And, uh, look, I think that's a strong point. There were, by the way, other presidential candidates who also criticized President Trump on this. We'll get to it. Uh, Haley also spoke about the integrity of elections. Uh, this is clip four. 
I think it's important that voters want to have election integrity. That's the biggest thing. And I've seen when I was at the United Nations, there's nothing worse than when a country and their citizens don't trust the election system. So when you look at what happened, you know, you had mail out balloting that we know was happening. We know that there was harvesting that was happening. And then you had secretaries of state that did things without approval from their legislature. Those are pretty serious. And so what we've seen happen in states is they've started to pass election integrity laws, which we need to have. And I think that's really important. And I've said all of what happened, none of that would have changed the results of the election. We know that um, President Biden is the president. But I do think it goes to say we need to continue to have election integrity laws. And then, of course, with having said all of that, uh, she didn't think January 6th was the right way to go about enforcing electoral integrity. And she disagreed with President Trump, who in his town hall had said that January 6th was a beautiful day. Uh, here's what Haley said. This is I've clip been, five. I've been on the record to say that while I think that we had issues, I don't think that any of them changed the election. I have also said when he said it was a beautiful day, January 6th, I think January 6th was a terrible day. I will say whatever is my truth, and I've always done that, and I've done that on both of those things. And she also certainly did it on Ukraine, where she has a strong disagreement with both uh, Governor DeSantis and uh, with President Trump. Uh, clip five. A win for Ukraine is a win for all of us because tyrants tell us exactly what they're going to do. What we heard, China said they were going to take Hong Kong. They did it. Russia said they were going to invade Ukraine. We watched that happen. China says Taiwan's next. We better believe them. Russia said Poland and the Baltics are next. If that happens, we're looking at a world war. This is about preventing war. And so the way you prevent war is not that we give cash to Ukraine, not that we put troops on the ground, but that we get with our allies and we make sure that we give them the equipment and the ammunition to win. Because when Ukraine wins, that sends a message to China with Taiwan. It sends a message to Iran that wants to build a bomb. It sends a message to North Korea testing ballistic missiles. And it sends a message to Russia that it's over. That's what we have to do. Okay, and uh, again... Uh, a, a strong and clear position on Ukraine, which, thank, frankly, I think a majority of the Republican Party appreciates. Uh, they also appreciated her service at the U.N., which was made possible by her appointment by uh, President Trump. But uh, she talks about what she believes was her major accomplishment in that post. Listen. I was at the U.N. I didn't deal with one country. I dealt with 193. And I took the kick me sign off of our backs. It is time for a new generational leader. It is time for us to leave the baggage of the past, the negativity to the past, and start thinking of our families and the families across America. If you look at all the challenges we have, look at inflation. Look at the lack of transparency in education. Look at what's happening with crime. Look at our border. Look at the idea that we had a Chinese spy balloon flying over our country. We deserve better. You deserve better than what we have right now. And I'm determined to make that happen. And uh, finally, we can get one more in. Uh, she is uh, willing to actually talk about the fact that we have a problem of Social Security and Medicare going broke. 
You can't pretend, oh, the money will always be there. We never have to touch it. We never have to fix it. Here is uh, Nikki Haley, former governor of South Carolina, former ambassador to the U.N., about the future of entitlements, particularly Social Security and Medicare. Clip 13. I think it's important to be honest with the American people. We are in this situation. Don't lie to them and say, oh, we don't have to deal with entitlement reform. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's the reality. I'm always going to tell the truth. Is it going to hurt? Yes, but for our kids, they know they're not going to get it anyway. So why not go ahead and change it for them in their 20s? Why not go and put people that are in their 60s and 70s and 80s at peace so that they know, look, you're not going to have to worry about it. But yes, we're going to go to our 20s and we're going to go tell them times have changed. I think they're not being honest with the American people. So, Okay, again, that's a fairly gutsy thing to take on. That's been a, a, a basis in which... President Trump has attacked, I think somewhat unfairly, uh, Governor DeSantis. There was more from Nikki Haley, but then there's a basic question. If you're one of these second-tier candidates, and again, because of the tremendous amount of money that's been raised by both President Trump and by Governor DeSantis, because of the advantage in publicity and the advantage in all the polls, how does somebody like a Nikki Haley or a Tim Scott uh, or any of the other candidates, Mike Pence is getting into the race, Chris Christie is getting into the race later this week, what's the essence of breaking through into real competition? Or will there be any real competition or is it just going to be an automatic coronation uh, for President Trump? who is saying he might not even show up at the debates that are scheduled in August. Uh, we will get to that with Mike Warren of The Dispatch coming up on The Medved Show. We'll also talk to the author of uh, an amazing book about some of the background that Americans need to know. Yeah, there are worries about China right now. And people recognize that the Communist Party of China is a dangerous institution. But how dangerous? You need to actually look at the cultural evolution, revolution to understand that. And we will get to it in this greatest nation on God's green earth.